Hello and welcome to the SkyCast, presented by Locked On Women's Basketball and High Post Hoops. I'm your host, Nick Niedorf, here to talk to you about all things Chicago Sky. Now, before we begin, make sure you're following us on Twitter at LockedOnWBB and at High Post Hoops for 24-7 coverage of women's basketball everywhere. And for today's episode, episode two of the SkyCast, we're going to focus on the Sky's game away against the Minnesota Lynx, their first game of the season, and some of the things that went wrong in that game and a couple of silver linings on offense and defense. A quick rundown of that game, the Sky lost 89-71 to the Lynx in a game that really, once you got past the first half of the third quarter, wasn't particularly close. So notable stat lines include Courtney Vandersloot with six points, four rebounds, eight assists, and three steals with four turnovers. Uh, both Gabby Williams and Kalia Copper dished in 11 points, and Allie Quigley and Gentile Lavender had 10 points. So yeah, it was it was a rough night for the Sky. They didn't shoot the ball particularly well. They turned it over a ton. Played some of the worst defense that they've played in the past few years uh, on a, a single-game basis. But, you know, there are some silver linings to go through. But I think before we get to some of the silver linings, we need to talk about the bad stuff first. So on the offensive side of the ball, the Sky played really fast. They, they played the way that James Wade has talked about. Uh, them playing all off season in the preseason we really didn't see them kind of get into the tempo that they wanted to the first game we saw it a bit but they kind of they, they they struggled to maintain that this game it, it really felt like they were able to to go back and push that tempo pretty consistently throughout the game obviously there were moments where they had to slow it down in the half court which is just something you're always going to have to do but they really did look to push the ball at any opportunity they had but one of the issues that goes along with being a team that's going to always look to push the ball, especially early in the season, is turnovers. Um, they had 16 total turnovers by the end of the game. Most of those turnovers came in the first half. Really just a lot of simple plays, you know, just getting the ball in motion around the perimeter, not even really leading to much action. They were turning it over in those instances. There were also a couple bad entry passes as well. Again, things that things that are simple, things that should not consistently lead to turnovers. And a lot of it just felt like a lack of focus from the sky. Again, these are veteran players making some of these turnovers. You know, Vandersloot had a couple plays where it's really just, you could tell she's trying to get the ball out of her hands to get into motion, but she's getting the ball out of her hands before she's really focusing on making that pass. And that leads to a turnover. Um, Same with Stephanie Dolson on a couple uh, handoffs, just things like that, where it's the links didn't even have to work to get those turnovers. And obviously a silver lining to all that is you can easily just chalk it up to rust. You can chalk it up to being early in the regular season. Players aren't on the same page yet. Um, You know, there were one or two turnovers. We could clearly tell it was just a chemistry issue that one player thought that a player was going to cut one way and they went the other way. Things like that are completely correctable. And if you're James Wade, that's just something you have to hammer in practice and really drive home that those kind of mistakes are not acceptable because you shouldn't be you know losing ball games or at least letting the flow of the game get away from you because of simple turnovers like that things that just should not happen at a professional level and things that obviously should not continue to happen as the season goes on and this team gets a more cohesive feel to it. And so the turnovers from the Lynx game aren't something that I'm too worried about. I'm obviously still concerned about the turnovers from last season and to see if they can, you know, consistently buck that trend and take care of the ball well the whole season. Uh, but really, I thought it was almost a good sign that almost all those turnovers were kind of just either chemistry things or just lazy passes being made. Now, obviously, if those continue throughout the season, 
that's an issue. But if that type of thing is continuing throughout the season, there's probably bigger issues with the sky as a whole. And that's going to be uh, more of a culture thing than just simply a turnover issue. So I think moving forward, I don't expect the sky to be turning, making that many simple mistakes on a game to game basis. Outside of that, I felt that they took care of the ball pretty well, especially that second half. They really held onto the ball well. And I think that's a positive to take away from the turnover situation from that game. As far as shooting goes, obviously an off night for this guy. 28 for 70 from the field, 3 of 13 from deep. It was really, it was an off night. I mean, they had plenty of open looks that they just kind of whiffed on. It's something that I expect them to bounce back pretty quickly from. You know, I really did like that this team, they, they had open looks. They made open looks for themselves. They did it in a variety of ways. They just they just missed on them. And if that's something that continues going forward, and uh, you know, that might be something that requires a personnel change or a big tweak to the system from James Wade, but that's something that remains to be seen uh, from an individual game basis. I wouldn't be too worried about that. Now, one thing that I did find particularly interesting, and I'm sure this is going to be a recurring theme on this podcast because I love the three-point revolution. Shout out Daryl Morey. But the Sky only took 13 threes in that game. And so I wonder, is it just that it's the first game of the season and the system isn't fully in place yet? Or is it just a one-game variance and they were just below their what their season average is going to be? Or, you know, is this going to be a team that's inconsistent in a number of their attempts? Does it kind of take them all season to figure out what's right for them, uh, what's right for individual players? And so I think that's a that's a narrative that's worth exploring a little bit as the season goes on. So just something to keep an eye on. Um, one thing that does kind of dispel any worries that, you know, Sky fans who are really excited for this offense might have had was looking at that shot chart. And looking back at those individual plays, I counted up about seven long twos that could easily have been threes. One or two of them came off of, you know, pick and rolls where you take the space that you give yourself and you maybe take that step inside the three-point arc to get a shot off. But for the most part, a lot of those long twos could have easily been threes. And so it might just be something in practice that Wade emphasizes, hey, take the step back. It's an extra point. That's what we're going for in this offense. Or it might not even be a big enough thing that he's worrying about as he prepares for the Seattle Storm this upcoming Saturday. But obviously, if you count those all up, you, you're getting around 18 attempts, 20 attempts. You're right in that number that Wade has mentioned before that he wants to hit. So I think it's something worth mentioning and especially something to look forward to as this guy faces the Seattle Storm this Saturday in what could be a three-point shootout. Now, just two quick things that I wanted to touch upon as far as the offense goes before I move into my focus on the defensive end of the floor for this podcast. Um, Courtney Vandersloot. First half looked really good. Um, she didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but left a very obvious impact on the game. When she got to the lane against the Lynx, they really just collapsed on her, and she had so many good kickout looks. And whether or not her kickout led directly to a shot or the ball swung around, it was really awesome to see. And that's something I want to see you know, a lot more within this offense, whether it's just Vandersloot or it's other players getting involved like that, because that was great to see. That's when I really felt like this offense flashed its potential. It was in transition, pushing the ball to the rim and get open looks on the perimeter because rim protection and stopping the ball is always going to be the number one focus of any defense on their heels. And so when you get in transition and you have Courtney Vandersloot or Diamond to Shields, 
players like that who are threats to score and are dynamic with the ball in their hand, they can really make great plays in transition when you push it to the rim rather than just passing it up and passing it around and then letting the defense subsequently get set up on you. When this guy did get into the half court, you could definitely see they kind of struggled a bit. That's when they had some of those turnover troubles in the first half. But in transition, they really look comfortable. They look like they're ready to run. You know, Stephanie Dolson, it's great to watch her just get these rebounds and just kick it out uh, down the court. That kind of stuff is, is exactly what I imagine for this team and where I think they're going to find the most success. Another area where I thought Salute was really interesting to watch in was the pick and roll, which, you know, obviously is not a surprise. She's done well in the pick and roll before. But I did think that her and Dolson and her and Lavender had some had some good moments between them. You know, I just I, I do think there's a lot of potential there. I think Dolson's ability to pass really kind of makes that that pick and roll dangerous, especially in the short roll where you could see Dolson, you know, find that extra shooter that's uncovered when the defense comes to help. And then Lavender, oh my gosh, when she's rolling into space, you just feel like there's nothing that's going to stop her. And, you know, the Lynx did kind of trouble her a bit when they sent doubles and triples to her in the lane and really really clogged it against her. But I think when she, you know, kind of gets uh, her teammates figured out and kind of gets a little more of a feel for kicking out within the Sky's offense, I think she's going to be a really big part of this team. She just looks so comfortable out there already with the team, and she's barely been around. So I think as the weeks progress, we're just going to see her get better and better the more comfortable she gets within Wade's system and the more comfortable she gets in those pick-and-roll scenarios with DeShields and with Vandersloot and with Quigley and other ball handlers on the team. And speaking of Diamond, um, that was another one of the things that is you know obviously worrisome but a silver lining in terms of the team's performance uh, Diamond only played in 11 minutes of this game. Early in the game, she sustained a head injury and then did come back in later, but didn't quite look the same and didn't play a ton. And so I think her ability to get to the rim, her ability to generate instant offense was definitely sorely missed within this offense. But you could also see where it would fit so perfectly with the way the Sky are playing. Shields sprinting down the floor with the ball, attacking the rim is exactly what this offense seems to be predicated on, at least in transition. And I think that's going to be perfect for them. And I think also she'll help relieve some of that cotton mouth that they got in the half court and hopefully make them a little more of a dangerous team in the half court when the defense is set. They don't have to be elite in there if they can really focus on getting in transition and become and being a really good transition team but I do think Diamond will make them more dangerous in those settings which is obviously not a genius take Diamond is clearly one of the three most important players on this team definitely has an argument for top two or even top one Um, so saying that her healthy and playing is going to be good for this team but I do think it's very clear where her fit will be when she's fully healthy when she's playing, you know, 30 minutes a night, where her fit will be within this offense. And I I think that's exciting to look forward to. And hopefully, hopefully we get that from her against the Seattle Storm. So it was easy to find silver linings within the offense. The system is exciting. There's a lot of exciting players on this team. And there were some factors that definitely hindered this guy on that end. But moving to the defense, I don't have quite as many silver linings to speak about. But Definitely some notes and insight on that on the floor. And one of the big issues was closeouts. The Sky had so many slow closeouts, and it was something that plagued them all of last year, and it really killed them on the defensive end. As much as we like to talk about 
the rebounding and interior defense the sky lacked at times last year, closeouts were one of their biggest issues, and it continued to bother them against the Lynx. They just didn't either know who was supposed to be closing out on a shooter after a rotation, or players were just simply standing and looking and kind of just accepting that the player was open, they were going to shoot it, and they had accepted their fate. And the Lynx actually you know, missed on quite a few open looks that the sky gave them. Not every team is going to miss on those looks and the sky still got blown out despite the Lynx poor shooting on those, on those open shots. So that is absolutely something that has to be fixed. And I know that is something that Wade has talked about addressing and trying to fix. And, you know, the players have talked about this too. It's, it's simply a matter of buying in. It's simply a matter of being locked in you know, all 40 minutes of the game. And it's tough to do. It's tough to want to close out after you've made two or three rotations on defense. It's tough to sprint out to a shooter who's 10, 15 feet away, who you're not going to block. And you might not even get a good shot contest on, but you will alter their shot, even if it's only slightly. You will at least get in their head. You'll let them know in the future that you're going to be closing out. You're going to be coming out on them. And it's just something you have to do and you have to do it consistently for it to work. And it's something the sky just, they just didn't do. Another area on defense where the sky struggle were on seals and lobs. Um, Sylvia Fowles and Nafisa Collier in particular destroyed the sky on, on, on these looks. Basically they would just get in behind the sky defense and the Lynx guards were able to toss the ball up to them and the sky just couldn't do anything. Even when they sent two or three people to help, they just could not alter the shot. They really, they just struggled to, to affect the Lynx at all on that front. And when the sky were able to use their length, they were able to get into the shooter's grill. Oftentimes when the Lynx would miss another Lynx player was there to get the offensive board and put it right back up because the sky had the double or triple on the ball. And so that's the problem. When you get beat on a lob, it forces the entire defense to just completely collapse. And, you know, the Lynx didn't really kick it out or anything like that, but they'd go at the rim, and even if they missed, there was always another Lynx player there to get the ball. And again, it's it's one of those things that, you know, I understand Nafisa Collier looks like she's going to be an amazing rookie, and Sylvia Fowles is, is a legend in the WNBA but a lot of these plays are just players falling asleep on defense and getting beat on a back cut or just players just not understanding where they need to be in relation to their defensive assignment. You know, it's one thing if you get out talented or if you just get outshot, those things are going to happen. There's so much talent in this league that there are just going to be nights where a team just outshoots you or outplays you and there's just nothing you can do. But when you are getting outworked, that's where the problem is. Because if you're getting outworked consistently, you're just not going to win games. You have to be willing to grind out defensive possessions consistently to put yourself in a position to win those games. Because as of yet, the Sky are not good enough offensively where they can afford these lapses on defense. And it could be something that, again, it's, it's a season of change. It's Wade's first year. This is a big transition with a new system, obviously on offense, but also on defense too. And so this could just be a thing that takes takes a little while to establish a culture of on grinding it out on defense. And, and it could take some time. But for the sake of this season, it needs to take hold sooner rather than later if the Sky do want to make that postseason push that they're talking about. And so my last takeaway on defense that I want to talk about today is pick and roll coverage. And if you follow me on Twitter, you know this is something that I took a little bit of a look at in terms of the Sky's preseason games. 
and the base coverage package that the sky seem to be running for this season is drop coverage. And for those who don't know, drop coverage is when you have the player defending the screener drop further back, usually around the free throw line, while the on-ball defender chases the ball handler around the screen. And typically the on-ball defender fights hard over the screen, but that's not always the case. And so this is great for denying good shooters on the perimeter. And it's also nice because you have your big a few steps back and typically it's your five who's obviously going to be a little more slow-footed. Sometimes it's good to have them a little further back because they can have a jump on getting guards into their body and then also hitting on the roll man. Now the big drawback to drop coverage is that the drop defender who's guarding the screener who has taken a few steps back now has to guard two-on-one for a brief period of time until the on-ball defender gets back. And so it really relies on the on-ball defender trying really hard to get over that screen as well as the screen defender knowing their angles that they're supposed to take on the ball to you know deny an easy pass and kind of bait them into going straight into their body. And obviously in an ideal world, the drop defender doesn't even have to worry about the guard getting into their body or actually getting to the rim at all because the on-ball defender has gotten over the screen and has gotten back to the ball handler, or at least has a hand on their hip where they can't really make a play comfortably. And so that way the drop defender can then just worry about the screener who is most likely rolling to the basket or possibly popping. Um, And so this all relies on effort and it relies on being able to get over that screen, but then also being able to get back to the ball handler. And so for the sky, it's very clear that they are still learning or learning to implement Wade's drop coverage scheme because it was it was rough all game. There were very few possessions where they executed it well. Um, sometimes the on-ball defender would simply just die on the screen, which if you die on the screen and drop coverage, it just blows it up entirely. Um, oftentimes the big played too high up on the ball handler, and so basically they would commit and essentially just switch onto the ball handler. And then all of a sudden you have the guard, when they get back to the ball handler, the big is too far up to switch to the roll man. And again, it's an easy pass to the big for a layup. And so I mentioned earlier about having the correct angles when you are the person playing drop coverage, when you're the person covering the screen, who's dropping back towards the free throw line. Angles are so important because if you're if you're moving laterally backwards, if your body's angled in a weird way, it just allows the ball handler to just go right by you to the rim. And this is something that Steph Dolson struggled with quite a bit where she would be at the right depth in terms of the drop, but because of the angle on her body, it didn't matter, and the ball handler was just able to just go right past her. And so the on-ball defender who's fighting over that screen, it, it doesn't really matter if they get to her or not because she's just going right to the rim. And so anytime any of those things happen, it was A, either an easy bucket, or B, it forced a third defender to rotate, which led to a ton of easy fouls um, that the Sky were just giving away, and then also leads to easy kickouts or just dump passes to another player. Or if they miss, then all of a sudden you have an offensive rebounder who's completely uncovered and the Lynx crashed those boards hard and made the sky pay for not putting a body on people. And job coverage can work really well. 
obviously you have to adjust it when you're talking about shooters like Diana Taurasi or Sue Bird who can make you pay for playing drop coverage, but most players can't make you pay the way that superstars can. And so I think drop coverage is great for a team like the Sky, especially with all the athletic wing defenders that they have. But you really have to nail it down because bad drop coverage is is worse than just about anything else. You'd rather just be switching at that point and taking the mismatches as they come. And so just two other notes that I had from the Lynx game about the Sky's defensive coverages is that during motion movement when the opposing team is just passing, moving around, uh, you know, just to get players in positions that they want, uh, the Sky just had their players go under with no switching, no, no specific coverage involved with that, which is obviously very common. But then one thing I did notice was the Lynx ran a couple of, you know, ball screens where a wing would screen a guard or a wing would screen a wing. And on those plays, it seemed like the Sky pretty frequently switched the wings just switch them straight up, which I thought was really interesting. I'm curious to see if that's something that Wade keeps doing going forward. I think, again, like I mentioned, this guy have really athletic defensive wings, and so I think that's something they could attempt to keep doing, and I think that's an interesting wrinkle that they could add to their defense uh, and could make them a little, a little more dangerous going forward. And just another note, Chloe Jackson, uh, who is the Sky's second-round pick this year, looks really good defending the pick-and-roll. She very clearly was trying hard. She got over the screen more often than not and got back to the ball handler. And so you just like to see that from a rookie. I think that that's, again, she's going to be playing significant minutes for them on the regular. So I think it's important that she is an effective defender. And so I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of contributions she can give to them offensively going forward. So, I mean, really defensively with the sky, it's kind of a tough pill to swallow, but really the, the only way for them to get better is to, is to just get used to the system and, and improve. You know, there aren't the same silver linings that exist with them on offense. They just looked really rough in that opener. And so I think the best hope in terms of this team reaching its potential is them just kind of figuring things out on defense, just getting better because the scheme, the idea is obviously there. There is talent there on that roster to play good defense. I I really believe that it's just a matter of putting it all together. And, you know, it's not as simple as, Oh, well the team tends to miss rotations when there's three passes on the perimeter and the other team gets the ball in the corner or they struggle to defend kickouts or they struggle to defend in transition. It's just kind of an entire systematic issue, and it has been with the Sky for the past two seasons. And so it, it is one of those things where until Chicago proves otherwise, you kind of have to doubt their defensive resilience and their defensive consistency. And again, it could just be regular season opening night rust. It could just be something they need a couple games to kind of get their feet wet get into this system. They had those two preseason games, but they really just have not had a lot of time together. And I think defense is really tough to get figured out more so than offense as a cohesive unit. And the WNBA season just does not allow you enough time to go through those early season struggles. So I kind of think that the sky's season is a little bit make or break around these early defensive moments and whether or not they can have stretches where they shine early on or if it takes them the whole season in which case it could just kind of be a lost season 
But again, it's so early in the season to make, you know, snap judgments like that. So I'm intrigued to see what the sky look like on Saturday at home against the storm. I think that they might be a little better matchup for them, but we'll see what they look like. They'll have another week of practice under them, which should hopefully improve. And I do think this is a team that needs as much time as possible to get better. It's just unfortunate that this is this is not a league that affords you a lot of time to play together to become a cohesive unit and so it's kind of just do or die for them especially on defense well thank you for listening to episode two of the skycast right here on lockdown women's basketball and high post hoops my name is nick niendorf and if you like what you heard here today and want more coverage of the chicago sky make sure you're following us at lockdown wbb and at high post hoops and if you're interested in having any comments or questions answered on the podcast, shoot us an email at the skycastpodcast at gmail.com or send me a message on Twitter. 